Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show. Like he said, I'm David Henry from Learn Stage Lighting and this is the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast, the place where, like he said, newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about lighting and today is no exception. I'm really excited to have you here today and I just want to ask if, if you are completely new here um, head over to learnstagelighting.com slash quiz and I want to ask you a couple questions just to uh, be able to get you um, started with lighting and get you a free guide that deals with the particular type of lighting that you work with. Awesome. I'd be really glad to get that in your hands, be able to help you get started. Now, today's show is going to be just a little bit different if you've been around here recently, if you've been around here before, um, because we're actually skipping lighting news and we're skipping the mailbag. We're just doing the main segment today. And if those are your favorite segments, uh, don't despair, but uh, hang in there. It's going to be a great show and uh, we'll be back with the regular segments next week. My schedule's just gotten super busy this week and I want to make sure I get this out to you, get it on time. And so we're going to focus on the main segment today for that reason. Now, um, today, I'm really excited, as I mentioned last week, to talk about what should I program on the faders and buttons of my lighting console. And the reason I'm so excited about this is because this is something that when I first started with lighting, I could never figure out. I would program a bunch of stuff. It didn't make a lot of sense. And then when I went to play it back, I found I had a lot of faders that I didn't really touch or they felt clumsy or they got in my way um, and I felt clumsy, you know, whatever the case, um, I just, I just could tell that I wasn't doing things really great. And then I, I really started to search out, um, the best ways to do this. I looked at other designer show files. I spent a lot of time diving in and just, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what's the best way to do this and, and, and experimented a lot. And I still do experiment, um, though I've got a system that works really well. And so, uh, today in the show, I just, that's really what I want to talk about. For those of you who are just starting out, I want to talk about on a lighting console, PC wing, PC just on the screen, whatever. What do I program on my faders? versus what do I program on the buttons? All right, so let's dive in. So the first thing we need to do is define what faders and buttons you have available to you in your particular console. Now, you may be running a physical console. You may be running um, a piece of PC software. With a wing, you may not have a wing. You may have um, some kind of MIDI controller or you're using touch osc so uh, the, the biggest thing to do is really just to, as we start this conversation counting your head or even on paper i used to do this on paper actually when i was still uh, really learning i would sketch this out on paper all the time different ways to lay out my my different faders and buttons and um and go ahead and figure out okay how many first how many faders do you have can you add more okay you know figure out for your particular console and i'll link to some posts on lawyer and stage lighting here about um, how to get MIDI controllers possibly integrated with your lighting console. As usual, that's going to depend on what your particular brand of console allows you uh, to do, whether they leave the MIDI door open to control playbacks or whether they don't allow that. Um, can you get MIDI faders? Can you get MIDI buttons You know, in, in your lighting console? And uh, think about also, look up Touch OSC. 
I'll link to a post on Learn Stage Lighting about that as well. It's a great program that can send a signal called OSC, which is similar to MIDI, and on a tablet or even a phone touchscreen, you're able to go ahead and have faders, have buttons. It's completely customizable, really cool, not only for playback, but also for programming. And so see if that's available to your console, because for a lot of consoles, it is. You know, I know, um, of course, Martin's uh, now Elation's M-Series, soon to be changed name, um, lets you use Touch OSC as well as MIDI. Um, you're able to use MIDI in programs like uh, NTX Pro and DMXs and uh, Show Express by Chave. And, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of So just check with your particular console what you're able to get there. Faders and then buttons. And, and can you get more? So now that you know what you've got, it's, it's time to really start laying things out. And so I like to start with faders first. Now, why do I start with faders first? Because faders are more powerful, right? With a button whether it's on screen, on a touch screen, touch OSC, MIDI, um, on a physical console, whatever, you know, you press the button and something happens, right? You can configure that button to um, press play or maybe just to momentarily activate something, okay? But with a fader, you can do a lot more. By default, most with most consoles, the fader type that you choose, that you generally have is going to change the intensity of the light as you bring it up to down, up and down, as long as the, the intensity is programmed into the cue that's on that fader, all right? But a lot of times, in, in most consoles, you can also configure your fader to adjust other parameters to be able to go ahead and be able to uh, cross-fade IFCB, as the hog calls it, or override them as as martin or elations m series calls it and you're able to go ahead then and as you bring that fader up and down it's going to modify the amount of color the amount of effect speed the amount of uh, maybe gobo rotation the amount of tilt the amount of pan the amount of an effect and so this can be really really powerful um because now uh, unlike a button say you're working with an effect or with a color you might have to program 10 different buttons to be able to get different variations, different speeds, different amounts, whatever. But on a fader, you can just move that fader up and down to get, you know, ultimately up to around, you know, 255 different looks. Of course, discernibly, what you can tell the difference between it, it'll be, you know, maybe 10 different things. And so that's a big space saving. So that's why we do faders first. And the first thing I like to do, and again, this is this is really a quick overview. It's like a flying over your city in a plane, you know, 30,000 feet overview. But the first thing I want to do is, is make some faders for intensity because I want to be able to adjust the intensity of my lights quickly and easily. If I see something that I want to change with the intensity on the stage, I just want to be able to grab something, grab a fader, and uh, be able to move it. Awesome. So I make an intensity fader for each type of light I want to have control over. Um, you know, generally my front wash, generally my backlight spots versus washes. Um, again, it, it, it really is going to depend on the rig, but it just take a minute to think about what the different things are, the different elements of your stage are that you'd want intensity control over. And make faders for those things. So this might be five or six faders or maybe more depending on the size of your rig. But of course, hopefully, if you've got a large rig of lights, then you also have a lot of faders. Um, of course, sometimes people, you know, cheap out on a console or don't get one with a lot of faders. And that's always frustrating. Um, 
but hopefully you have plenty of faders because I know I like lots of faders. And then after I do that, I go ahead and I start building effects, okay? I, I wanna go ahead, now that I've got my intensity control, and the other thing that I really want linear control of in my show is effects because I wanna be able to bring in just a little bit of an effect. I wanna have a fader for effects speed if my console supports it, and most do these days. And I wanna be able to have a few effects, you know, depending on my number of faders that can do intensity, a few effects that do focus, a few effects that do color, and then a few effects that work with beam, okay? IFCB, we talked about this just a few podcasts ago, and I'll link to that in the show notes. And, um, but I want to have, you know, if I have the room, even if I just have room for one, I'll put one of each type of effect on a fader, okay? And then you can get fancy here. Maybe if you don't have a lot of buttons, you could maybe stack a fader of position effects and so that you just press play to change to a different position effect. So you've been using one for a while that's a movement of position effect, and then now you get tired of it or you want something different, you just press play and, and you switch to something else. You know, it's not the ultimate way to do it because you don't have ultimate control over exactly what you want, but it's a good compromise to keep the show fresh. Um, you also can go ahead and say you've got your faders with some different effects and you've got a speed fader that takes over all your effects. Well, now you could put some effects on buttons and while you won't have control over the amount, you'll still have control over the speed from your speed fader. And again, you know, console to console, it, it's going to depend. Uh, things may vary a little bit on the execution of this and what you can and cannot do, but I'm presenting this in a console agnostic way so that, um, you know, with my knowledge of many different consoles, including next week, it looks like the show I'm doing, I'm going to be using a console that's, that's new to me that I've used previous versions of, but this particular version I haven't used before. And so I'll be bringing this checklist with me uh, on what faders to make and, and I'll be applying it to this new console. So it doesn't matter what console you're using, just matters um, that you can set these things up. So faders primarily, just to review, are intensities and effects. That's what I like to do. I don't like to put much else on faders. And I know if you look out there, if you read things, you'll see different people do different things. You know, Nook Schoenfeld, an excellent lighting designer, likes to put positions on faders. And that's great. And, and his system is really great. Uh, for me, I, I found that I like to put them on buttons, but I often find myself in situations where proportionally, I have a lot more buttons than I do faders. And so the way he presents his information, he actually has a good amount of faders usually. And so I would, you know, it, it's going to be something like everything in lighting as I talk myself into a corner here, um, like everything in lighting, there's really no hard or fast rules, okay? And this is going to scale differently depending if you have more faders, more buttons, half and half, etc. You, you may move some more things to faders or move some more things to buttons depending on what you have available. So keep that in mind too. It's not, I, I'm trying to give you inspiration here and also a step-by-step -step way to make it work in your situation. But know that what I'm saying isn't the end-all be-all because I don't know everything about your situation. Rather, I'm just trying to advise you the best I can, okay? So with that caveat, the buttons, all right? I like to go ahead on my buttons, and every time I program a button, I want it to have two cues on it, okay? And what do those cues do? Well, they often depending on the type of parameter, switch something back and forth, okay? And so 
For example, on a color, this is pretty simple. If I've got a color combination, you know, say I've got a color uh, red-blue, then my first cue would be red-blue, and then my second cue would be blue-red. And ultimately, as well, I like to go ahead, I like to have these reset upon release, uh, if you're familiar with how to do that in your console. If not, don't worry about it when you're just getting started. But I would go ahead and then I would say, um, make it a little bit, not asymmetrical, but unbalanced. And what do I mean by unbalanced? Well, what I mean by unbalanced is that, um, you know, I want to go ahead and I want to make sure that, say I've got a red-blue and I've got 50, 50 lights on my stage, and they're all the same brightness, we'll say, just for just for um, explanation's sake. So I've got 50 lights on my stage. I might take 30 and make them red and 20 and make them blue. And then in the second cue, switch it. Because when I kind of do an unbalanced half and half, it gives a greater feeling of movement, and it makes red-blue versus blue-red actually kind of a different feel because the blue-red is, is more blue and it feels a little calmer, and the, the red-blue is a little more red, and it feels a little more bearing. So, again, just, just a little tip there as to how I like to lay things out. But you don't have to follow that. You could just do half and half, whatever. Um, but, you know, so I like to do colors first on my buttons. And if I have buttons in a nice grid, you know, like a MIDI controller, like an APC-40 or a launch pad or a Grand MA executor window or on uh, my my good controller... Uh, the Elation M-Series, soon to be renamed. Say I've got an M-Play or a bank of buttons. You know, oftentimes you find yourself with a grid of buttons. So I like to do rows. So at the top, I like to do colors, okay? I like to do my first row, uh, everything in the same color. Second row, um, front light only in a color. Third row, some color combinations. Uh, and then I'll keep doing more color combinations as I have space. I like to do a lot of buttons for colors. And as I mentioned, I like to do two cues, especially on color, so that I can bump between the two colors and just keep pressing that same button to the beat um, if I feel that that's what's right for the particular song. If that's what looks good and, you know, feels right with the music. We'll, we'll be talking more about how to run lights live in the next few episodes. But uh, with that, um, then I go ahead and I make positions, okay? And I'll make a row of position presets where all the lights, you know, face each position. And I've linked before and I'll link to again, um, to a post called uh, What Moving Light Positions Should I Program? Um, and so you have that. But um, the fact is I just like to make everything at the positions and then I like to make combinations. So I'll make half my lights, you know, like maybe just my spots or one type of light in one position and then another type of light in another position. And I go ahead and then um, I'm able to press the button, again, two cues, so that they switch um, the, the one type of light and the other and the two positions they're in. And that's from Nook Schoenfeld as well. He's got a lot of great information out there on how to how to uh, build a punt page. I'll actually link to an interview I did with him once um, here, and that'll link to some other stuff on punt pages for you. But then I do, you know, a row of goes, um, and then, you know, anything else I might want, like prisms, um, et cetera, framing presets, whatever. Um, but this basically... While this was a lot of information in just about 15 minutes, is how I decide to lay out my console. Like a lot of things in lighting, this isn't rocket science, nor is it rocket surgery. And with what we do, really, if you come in with a plan and you think about it a little, and then you write it down and you change your plan over time as you evolve it, as you learn to make it better, that's all the complexity you need. 
you really don't need to get over the top complex. And in fact, oftentimes, especially when you're setting up your first show, your first uh, punting show where you're just running lights live, it's, it's better actually to stay a little more simple. Because when you're running lights live, and we'll be talking about this over the next uh, few episodes here on the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast, so be sure to subscribe if you haven't. You know, I'm going to be talking about more about running lights live and having less and keeping it simple actually gives you more freedom and more ability to react quickly to the music or whatever type of show or service you're running. And, And reacting quickly is actually more important than having more options most of the time. So with that, guys, that's it for the main segment today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing as well. And if you are new here, um, do go to learnstagelighting.com slash quiz and grab that free guide that I have for you. I just ask you to answer a couple, two quick questions so I learn more about your lighting needs. And then I'll send you a free guide that pertains to your particular lighting needs. And next week, I'm really excited because we're going to talk about dynamic range. Well, this is a concept that you hear about in video, that you hear about um, in audio for short. It's also in lighting. And I'm going to tell you about what dynamic range is in stage lighting. So you don't want to miss that. Be sure to subscribe in your podcast catcher. Now, thanks so much for listening today. I hope you have a great week and that you create some great lighting and move your lighting forward this week. Until then, I'll see you guys around the web. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. Be sure to visit us at learnstagelighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks. Thanks.